Hello and welcome to Media MD, the podcast where we prescribe each other a piece of media every week. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this week we're going to be following up on our episode from two weeks ago, Oakja. Um, so Elliot, it's been two weeks. You've hopefully watched Oakja, I'm assuming. Yes, I managed to get through the whole thing in two weeks. <laughs> you made that joke a while ago. <laughs> Did I? We've been doing this podcast for more than a year, Elliot. So I guess you're on a yearly <laughs> cycle with your jokes. Um, I, need, I need to get new material. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what do you think? Yeah, um, it was good. I guess I should spend like a, a or do a brief summary of the plot. So yep, let's do a one minute plot summary. Yeah. So spoilers for people who haven't seen Oakja. Um, so it's basically just a bit of a feel good romp uh, about a young hippo. That enters a beauty pageant. Um, <laughs> and, okay, no, all of that was a lie. Well, it's basically true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a film about a genetically engineered super pig that, you know, wins a, yeah, basically a beauty pageant. And the little girl who grows up with it doesn't really want it to get sent away. But the villain, who is her grandpa, mm-hmm. um, lets it get sent away to the other villain, who is Tilda Swinton. And then basically she gets tangled up with another group of villains who are these sort of, I assume they were meant to be like a ripoff of Peter. Like they're called like the ALF and they're sort of an animal rights group. And they're basically trying to expose all the terrible stuff that this company's doing to these genetically engineered animals, like in terms of testing and cutting them up and stuff. Anyway, um, a bunch of shenanigans ensue eventually um Oakja gets put with the rest of the super pigs to be killed and sold for meat and the girl basically saves just Oakja and leaves the rest of them to be eaten and then they the rest of the super pigs sort of send him off and then it just sort of they go back to Korea and live happily ever after yep accurate I'll just point out one thing the ALF is a real organization oh it is of, yeah huh. there are the the animal liberation front it's like a uh, animal rights activism slash so are they a rip off of peter in real life too or is that just in the movie well i don't know i mean <laughs> we don't need to get into this but i feel like peter is the most ineffectual and useless <laughs> branch of animal rights activists that there has ever been yeah well that was why i sort of said yeah alf the alf in the movie seemed like a more competent peter like they were actually doing things that were saving animals not making ripoffs of pokemon games <laughs> hey that's great viral marketing okay pokemon <laughs> black and blue where you fucking you pokemon get beat up in battles fucking help peter <laughs> yeah so we got your plot summary out of the way i'm, yeah. I'm interested to think what you thought of the, me- the way this movie has this weird kind of balance of different genres yeah there's so much to talk about in this movie and and i mean to, in snowpiercer as well which i which i just watched um mm. it, it's a similar thing but it was it was more pronounced in ocho like this move these movies are just sort of a bit all over the place in a good way like <laughs> if that makes sense like you don't like so for instance you know the main point of Oakja, like, or the, the main sort of thread, this this whole plot line with Oakja, you know, like the scene where Oakja gets raped, um, mm. was like super intense, and then obviously the whole like abattoir sequence at the end is is really intense. And then on the other hand, you have Jake Gyllenhaal 
doing what I think was a Nicolas Cage impression. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's a weird uh, movie. Yeah, and then Tilda Swinton, oh, like, you know, it seems like they just gave her acid and told her to say whatever she wanted. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it was, but it all, it all comes together really well. I, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it feels like, yeah. And it's sort of what you were talking about. Um, I actually, you know, was really excited to come here and mention how the first half of the movie felt just like Studio Ghibli, but it turns out you said that two weeks ago. So, you know, it was correct. Um, it was, thank you. It, thank you. <laughs> um, it was, it, you know, it, it started to feel like a Studio Ghibli movie. Then it got a bit sort of actiony and then just got sort of really heavy and depressing towards the end and there were you know the alf the way they were pulling off all their spy shit it almost felt a bit like a spy movie in parts but then it, it's so weird i think the thing that affected me like i know what you mean about the kind of tonal shifts in the movie and i think the the one that affected me the most was when the alf kind of pulls off their big plan which is to basically free Oakja, and it doesn't quite succeed it almost succeeds but um mm. The company that's like behind the super pigs brings in these like security enforcers who basically just beat the shit out of all <laughs> yeah. the ALF members with like batons, and it's like they do like slow mo brutal anti protester violence, and it's fucking like I don't know, man. It, it was like wh- what the fuck happened in this movie? Suddenly there's just like <laughs> these dudes beating the shit out of some people, and it's so uh, it's so in direct contrast to what the start of the movie was like, where um. Okja and the girl are kind of going off on this adventure and Oak just like eating fruit and like shitting I don't know it's it's so weird yeah that whole that whole thing about how the super pigs poo was bizarre but I kind of liked it <laughs> like how you you, you that... rub you rub them on their butt and then they shoot out these little projectile poo pellets yeah which and is then, used and in then... one place where they they use it to like as like fucking caltrops behind them to, yeah. to stop a dude who's chasing <laughs> well, after them. They do it they do it right at the start of the movie. Um with like like Oakja does it right at the start in like the, the pond and they sort of set it up and mm. then later, yeah, it's used as like to to stop people chasing them and I was just like, ah, I think this whole thing was set up just to just for do that. that joke. <laughs> Her grandpa's a dick too. Like the the, the farmer guy who Mija, the main girl, I don't know if I've actually said her name yet. Um, Mija is the little girl who owns or sort of owns Oakjaw. Mm. And anyway, her grandpa was clearly the most villainous. Like they were trying to make <laughs> one of Tilda Swinton's characters come across as the main villain, but I think it was actually the grandpa. You reckon the grandpa, because we, we should explain the grandpa kind of uh, is the one who has half been raising Oakjaw with Mija, with the girl. Um, mm. And when the company comes to take Okja away, Mija's like, oh, I, I don't want to let them do that. So, so she, like, stays with them. Um, and the grandpa's like, no, they're not going to take her away. And then he goes and, like, shows goes for a walk with her to, like, get her away from this, from them. And then when they come back, Okja's gone, right? Well, I mean, it's even worse than that. Because, first off, the way he distracts her is by saying that she needs to go and visit her parents' graves. So he basically, like, manipulates her <sighs> with her dead parents. Um, yeah, and he's also been. Rough. He's been lying to her for months, and he told her that he'd bought Oakja from the company, mm. so they were just here to like walk at it. But she was under the impression he wouldn't be going because they owned it, and then he right. sort of takes her out to her parents' graves and is like, "Oh no, I lied, but I did use the money to buy you this little gold 
pig this statue. little gold pig statue. Yeah, so you're welcome. Like, <laughs> yeah, which comes back at the end because eventually Mija mm. does trade the statue for Okja in like a desperate bid to like buy Okja back, right? Yeah, and it works. And- and um, I mean, yeah, you could sort of see it coming. Like that wasn't that wasn't the most surprising part of the movie, but it it worked, and that was like a good yeah. instance of like, because it was like as this sort of thing was going on, I was like, oh, she's still wearing the fanny pack. She's, she's gonna pull out that little gold pig, because they mm. they did a really good job of as the movie went, constantly reminding you that she was keeping the fanny pack on her person. Mm. I wouldn't say the grandfather was the biggest villain, but he definitely was a bit of a dick, wasn't he? <laughs> Um, and he was just, cause he was just money obsessed. Like he served as mm. one of the characters who just sort of, yeah, everything he did was relating to money. And that was sort of like, you know, cause obviously the big, it's very standard in your movie to have the big sort of corporate honchos be evil money obsessed people yeah, be who greedy, are too distant from what they're doing. And it was nice to also basically have, show, the grandpa was basically just the normal person who was also like that. Yeah. I mean, he, he had lived, he's obviously, like, from a very rural farming area in Korea, right? And so he had, and they lived, like, fucking far away from anything. They had to go up, like, a hike, up and down a hike to get to their farm to get down to, like, a road. And so it was clear that, like, they had lived this very disconnected life and the grandpa was just kind of trying to, he had realized that he had this, like, meal ticket and he was trying to milk it a bit. Mm. Um, I'm curious to see what you thought of, of Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah, I mean, I think I sort of already said it. Like, it felt like a, it felt like it was channeling Nicolas Cage. Like, it was <laughs> the yeah. other performance it reminded me of. I don't know if you ever saw um, Jupiter Ascending. No, but, I, um, I remember you told me about it one time, and then when you told me about it, I was like, oh, I don't need to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Uh, but uh, Eddie Redmayne's in that, and I think it was like the first thing he was in just after he won that um, Oscar for uh, his Stephen Hawking movie. Mm. and like this was like and yeah in that he was terrible and it reminded me of, of jake gyllenhaal's one in this like it it was just this bizarre sort of everything was yelling <laughs> kind of o- overacting but i think maybe on purpose overacting like i just I yeah no i didn't know what to make of it. It, it i'd agree with you up until there's a scene where okja is kind of in this in their like i don't know abattoir slash research lab whatever and jake is basically talking to her and what he's trying to do is use this device to like harvest some meat out of her while she's still alive to taste to make sure that it tastes good yeah and this is really weird scene where he gets super drunk and he's like apologizing and like crying and um and and then he harvests the meat from okja and it's this very weird scene that i think kind of endeared me to his character yeah you could just sort of say that he was somebody who'd gotten a bit sucked in and was sort of stuck where he was a little bit. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, that was that was an interesting character, and I mean, Tilda Swinton played kind of similarish characters, I'd say, in Snowpiercer mm. and Oakja, like both. Yeah, very, very true. <laughs> or all three of her characters, because she obviously she plays two characters in Oakja um yeah that was actually that yes. was a twist i didn't really understand the point of like they they <laughs> yeah. they introduced this sort of even evil version of well yeah like the whole movie sort of foreshadowing that tilda swinton's character has an even more evil sister mm-hmm. and then it just sort of turns out to be her twin who just sort of does kind of a just more intense version of what, of what Tilda Swinton was doing. Doing. i, I didn't yeah. really understand what that 
bit was about. Yeah, like I, I, I think the I think the reasoning behind it was that Tilda Swinton's character had fucked up so badly that they needed to get someone else in, and Bong Joon Ho was just like, "Fuck it, we'll just get another Tilda Swinton." <laughs> but they but they already had um, Gus from Breaking Bad. Like, it could have just been him. There was no need to have Tilda Swinton come back. I have no idea who you're talking about. Who's... He's like this... Oh, no, no, I do know. He, I do know. Yeah, the, yeah. the Chilean guy. Like, the, the guy who was yeah. working secretly for Nancy the whole time. Nancy's the other Tilda Swinton character. Yes. Tilda Swinton, even more evil. Tilda Twinton? Thank you. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. Well, we've we've talked about Ocha for, for a good chunk of time. Um, yeah. My vibe that I'm getting from you is you liked it and you know it was a bit messy, but you still kind of liked it through that. Do you have any, like, criticisms yeah. of it beyond that? Not not really. I mean, yeah. So, like you said, the CGI was was really well done. There were only a few moments, mm. mostly when Oak just sort of went swimming, that you could really tell that, that there was a lot of CGI at work. Mm. But, um, no, I, th- I think sort of like you said, it the movie really fits together well because everything does sort of come around that central message, which is obviously the movie's very anti, um, anti factory farming. Yeah. Anti big farming pro vegetarian. Mm. I don't know exactly what the term would be, but like, yeah, it all, it all sort of comes back to that all the time. So, I mean, even if there are minor problems here and there, the whole thing sort of comes together and delivers. And that's what's really important. And I, I think it's a hard movie to criticize because a lot of things that you wouldn't like, you can clearly tell that they're very intentional. And so it's like, well, I didn't yeah. like this, but they at least they meant to do it like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it wasn't like, yeah, weird mistakes. I mean, the only the only part I really felt a lot of disbelief is there's a scene right at the start where um, the girl sort of, me just sort of falls down a cliff a bit. And mm. then Oak just sort of saving her by holding onto this rope. And the way she sort of falls down and she manages to hold onto the rope is superhuman. Like she has incredible grip strength. Like <laughs> I, I think, I think there was maybe some secret plot where she was genetically engineered for insane grip yeah. strength or something. Cause there's no well, way no, she if didn't you, yeah. fall down. If you look, if you read the scenes behind the scenes, then you, <laughs> then you know the real story of Oak. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's like, that's a minor complaint in the scheme of things. So I, I, I didn't even really feel the need to bring it up before, but, um, uh, wait, I guess this is. I'm going to kind of branch off to Snowpiercer because I had a similar thing. Mm. Um, in Snowpiercer, the the pacing felt all over the place. Like, like you usually you feel this movie sort of start. Well, a normal movie will sort of start, ramp up, you know, reach sort of climax, and then finish off. And Snowpiercer mm. sort of did that five or six times, and and was just sort of all over the place. But it felt intentional, and I kind of liked it. Especially mm. because I like I wasn't checking how far through the movie I was, so I I often kept thinking, oh, this is going to finish early, and then it turns out it wasn't anywhere near <laughs> finishing, and and I, it actually ended up keeping me on my toes a bit more than it maybe normally would have, um, mm. or a, a movie like that normally would have, because I mean, Snowpiercer was a bit more of a like basic premise, I think is oh yeah for sure, about. like it's just classism but on a train. Um, I think the thing I like about Snowpiercer is it's a very, it's just like a well done action movie. Like it's action movie yeah. that's just kind of here for action, you know. And it's just like, well, fuck, I'm just going to do it right, <laughs> and then just enjoy the ride, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't think. I mean, there was 
Yeah, there was nothing particularly innovative about any of its individual components, except that this was probably the first time they've all been put together. Like having mm. like so many movies have sort of done the whole train thing, but then none of them have put classism and cool action scenes in that at the same time. Except Spider Man Two. I don't remember Spider Man. I don't remember Spider Man Two. Um, yeah. Are we talking Amazing Spider Man Two or Tobey no, Maguire Spider Man Two? No one. Or, no one is ever talking about Amazing Spider Man Two. Really, the on. upcoming Homecoming Two. I'm assuming that's it's coming. called Home Home Again. <laughs> going going away and then coming home again too. Um, but yeah, no Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer had some good twists as well that I didn't see coming. I knew there was a twist coming, like you. But I, I wasn't able to put the pieces together myself. And Wait, did I say there was a well. twist coming at some point? I don't... No, I don't think so. Oh, right, um, right. Well, the the twist in Snowpiercer is that he's, like, stealing kids to work in the engine, right? Oh, Spoilers. I mean, there's also the, there's, there's also the twist that, that Gilliam was working with Wilford the whole time. That's true. Yeah, okay, um, no, yeah. That's the bigger twist. Good point. Uh, I mean, there's the unresolved twist that the the hacker's daughter might actually be clairvoyant maybe like, yeah they, they sort of started that and then didn't go anywhere with yeah, it yeah there's a lot of that, that's that's weird they they start that they're like she can sense what's behind the doors but then it's like never really it doesn't really ever come into anything it just no. kind of was dropped at the end because uh, i kept waiting for i assumed that what was happening because because the front of the train seemed to be so organized i actually thought they had a clairvoyant as well and mm. so I was constantly trying to figure out who the clairvoyant was on their team, and then it just didn't really come up. <laughs> didn't come up, yeah. Um, and then the, I, I want to ask you what you thought about the ending of Snowpiercer as well, because it, it kind of throughout the movie there's hints that like the world is starting to melt essentially to yeah. to not just be covered in snow. Well, to just quickly go over the plot of Snowpiercer, uh, basically. Uh, some scientists came up with a cure for global warming, which was to put some chemical in the air and so they did it but i guess they put too much because then like the average global temperature dropped to like negative 50 and the only people who survived are on this weird guy's train that he made to be completely self-reliant and the train just goes around forever and yeah. a bunch of people ended up in the back of the train and they were being abused so they did a revolution to get to the front yeah essentially so, um, <laughs> we follow one of these kind of lower class people from the back of the train yeah. on his kind of journey leading this revolution to the front. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the movie kind of ends with uh, they get to the front of the train and they resolve some shit and blah, blah, blah. But the thing I want to talk about is after they get to the front, Chris Evans, the main character, and um, this girl who he's been traveling with the whole time, they're like, fuck this shit. We're not going to live on this train anymore. And so they kind of get off the train. Or they mm. do they crash the train? What happens? Yeah, they... I can't remember. They well, they just try to blow the door open, but that causes an avalanche, which basically crushes everything except like the front um, carriage, which is where they were. Mm. Yeah, uh, and so then basically it's just yeah the the young um, hacker's daughter and this other like five year old kid who'd been kidnapped um, earlier mm. in the movie. They're the only two survivors, and they sort of step out, and then there's a polar bear, and it just sort of ends. Yeah, just ends with them getting off the train, essentially. Yeah. Um, um, so and I, I, obviously the polar bear is like the symbol of like the world regrowing a little bit. Yeah, because um, they've been talking up until that point, like all life became extinct. 
Hmm. which seems i mean you know there was always going to be something from like the arctic or something that survived but i, I wouldn't have yeah a po- seeing a polar bear is a good sign yeah seeing a mammal um yeah, yeah. I, actually while we're talking about his other movies i want to talk about one that i watched last night which was called memories of murder which is from 2003 it's one of his korean his films before he did english language films um, yeah. Well, he doesn't actually. I, that was something I noticed about both the movies is they're both bilingual movies. Like particularly in Oakjaw, yeah. it was it was probably almost fifty fifty, maybe slightly more in Korean. But um, you don't often see movies do that. Movies usually commit to one language or another. Mm. His might be some of the first movies I've seen where it's it's almost fifty fifty between two languages. Yeah, but I think it's interesting because it's like what. Like, you see movies where it's like, like if this movie was made fully American, they would have a Korean girl speaking English or, yeah. or you know, and, and it's being like, oh, she's speaking Korean or whatever. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. It, I, I feel like the way he does it is probably the best way to do it because it's the only way that feels kind of authentic. It doesn't feel invasive. Like, like I didn't, I, I didn't even notice half the time when people were switching languages and stuff. Like, it, it, it mm. didn't bother me as much as... I mean, because I assume that's the reason most movies don't do it is is for simplicity and um, ease for the viewers. But ease I've for the found, viewers, exactly. I found with Boon Boon Jong Ho's movies, it didn't bother me. Um, yeah, yeah. I and and there's scenes in in Okja, like there's the scene where um, uh, Stephen Yoon, who's one of the ALF um, members, mm. he is like translating Mija's Korean into English for the rest of the ALF members. And he intentionally mistranslates something so that they'll give, so that they'll think that she gave them like permission to do something with Okja. Yeah. Um, he was another villain. That's another villain move. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we can talk about that later, but I think that obviously wouldn't work as a plot point if the languages weren't swapping between Korean and English the whole time. That's true. Um, yeah, but, well, we've been going for a while. Why don't you tell me... I, I, I want to touch quickly on one of his other movies, actually, which is yeah. Memories of Murder, which is... I really liked it. It was a really good kind of uh, Korean cop drama um, about, like, a serial killer in South Korea. It it was very weird at the, at the start. It had this weird kind of pacing where it would jump around just because it was a... I think just because it was a Korean movie made in 2003, it didn't, like, fit what I would expect a movie to look like um but then sure. it kind of straightened out a lot and became a really good movie so if you're looking for more more uh, bong joon ho movies to watch i would definitely check out memories of murder okay. and mother the other one of his i've seen mother is also really fucking good yeah i think you talked about that one um in the last mm. episode anyway what do you what did you think of okja yeah um yeah i actually both okja and snowpiercer i like that they had endings that weren't super predictable or particularly clean Mm. or pessimistic like it wasn't like everyone dies and it wasn't everyone lives Mm. they they both kind of finished in the middle which i always like um Mm. so focusing in on on okja yeah i thought it was really well put together the message comes across really powerfully like i was sort of quite uncomfortable for a while after watching the movie are you going to be a vegetarian now no it didn't go that far um (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, definitely, it definitely like yeah, it was it was uncomfortable after the movie, like just sort of thinking on mm. the whole thing. Um, so Being I'm like, gonna now I'm gonna go cook some bacon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta push these thoughts away. 
yeah. um, with bacon. No, I'd give it an eight and a half out of ten. I think. Right. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so, Elliot, are you curious what the verdict was from last week? Our Rick and Morty versus Community Showdown. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. How'd we go in the end? I tallied up the votes, and look, you're not gonna like it. Our clear winner was Rick and Morty. <laughs> well, there's contemporary bias there, and um, you know, f- fans are dumb. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, insult our wide number of fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we have enough fans to survive if if you insult them all. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so should we give them a, a, a teaser of what we're going to be doing next week so they can start checking it out? Yeah. So um, next week uh, I'm going to be bringing Ruben the divisive uh, cult <laughs> comedy Wet Hot American Summer, uh, both the movie and hopefully some of the TV shows. Mm. But we'll see. Divisive sounds like a good premise for an episode. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, so if you guys want to watch that along with us or leave your feedback on uh, Oakjo or anything, uh, any of our recent episodes, feel free to head over to our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash mediamd. Or just check out our, our website, mediamdpodcast.com, and all the links are on there. We'll see you then.